Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 210, and it's titled... Nine types of women to avoid and not marry. Ooh, I already hear people going crazy. What? Why are you picking on women? Why didn't you do it nine types of men? Uh, maybe we'll do that in the next episode. Maybe. But, you know, one of the things that we do when we're figuring out what we're going to talk about is we look at things that are trending. Like, what, are, what do people want to know? What is out there in, you know, the sort of mainstream right now? Like, you know, what are people talking about? What are the topics that are popular? Not just to get ratings, but because they're popular for a reason. Because this is the stuff people want to know. So, believe it or not, if you research it, you will find way more on nine types of women to avoid than you will on nine types of men to avoid. It doesn't mean there aren't men to avoid. There are. Without a doubt, there are men to avoid. Uh, how about toxic macho asshole guy? He's a guy to avoid. We could go on, but I won't. I just needed to get that out of the way up front. Okay, now for a little lightness, a little <laughs> laughter. Celine, you found a funny quote. Yes. I never knew what true happiness was until I got married. And then... It was too late. <laughs> that is attributed to W.C. Fields. Uh, Not 100% sure, but... It's funny nonetheless. It is. Right? We thought, you know, we would start, you know, with a little humor there. Okay, so all joking aside, there are, you know, look, marriage is a big deal. It is. It is a big deal. Um, and, you know, you brought up a very interesting point when we were putting the show together. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to talk about this, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not the one that really said it and said, hey, we should talk about this on the show. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll bring some of the points and then you can expand on that. Okay. I think that marriage is definitely much more risky for men than it is for women. Why am I saying that? Well, because in today's society... The way the law has been designed is usually working in favor of the woman. What that means is if there's a divorce, usually the man ends up having to pay for alimony, loses his wealth, loses his children, everything basically. And he ends up way worse than he was when he started. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that is that wasn't always the case. No. And, and part of the reason why the laws ended up the way that they have is because it used to be riskier for women. Mm -hmm. Because women didn't have careers, they didn't earn their own money, they were totally dependent on men. And if the marriage went south, they were basically held hostage because they had nowhere they could go because they had no money, no job, no way of income. They were stuck with raising the kids because that's primarily the woman's job. And so... I can see how the laws started to gravitate towards that. But we don't actually live in that society anymore. No, we, and we not. And we haven't for decades. Um, you know, and you can still talk about the wage gap and all that kind of stuff. You know, there are studies that say the wage gap doesn't really exist before your heads explode. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But the point is women are perfectly capable now of holding careers and making money and taking care of themselves. They don't need a man for that anymore. Well, actually, stats show that... 
there are more women who are who have wealth than men, statistically speaking. Possibly, I, I don't know that stat, but I mean, I, I have seen some things that show, you know, like in CEO positions and things like that, where that that gap doesn't really exist, and sometimes they actually get paid more. But anyway, that that's not really the point of this conversation. Well, the the point is really, marriage is wonderful. We we married, we love being married, but you've got to choose the right person, and today. Our goal is to really help you see who you shouldn't marry, because it could be hell. Right, and <laughs> absolutely. So just to, to finish that little bit about, you know, things have changed, it is actually now riskier for the man, mm-hmm. because the man stands to lose a lot more if it goes south. Now, I know some people are going, but what if the woman's the one that's bringing all the wealth? Okay, that's possible, but the courts rarely ever give half of that to him. <laughs> Sometimes they do, but it's not really common. The other thing is is the children. I mean, the statistics are very clear that the woman almost always gets the children or the majority of the custody of the children, uh, regardless. I mean, the, the guy, I mean, the woman would have to be a complete degenerate, really, to lose custody. And honestly, personally, we have known some people where the woman was a complete degenerate. And the court originally took the kids away and then ended up giving them back. So, you know, you can see things are very lopsided. So, so your point is well taken that it is risky for men. Of course, it's risky for women, too. We're not denying that. However, um, this is going to be about nine types of women. So since it is risky for you men, we want to make sure that you learn how to pick the right one, as you were saying, as best you can. You know... That brings up a couple of other points, by the way, um, such as, you know, so we're going to talk about women to avoid, but we could also talk a lot about what to look for. Maybe we'll cover a little bit of that more towards the end if we have time. Uh, First, a shout out to our sponsor, however. All right. Do you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed? Then check out Power and Mastery. It's the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powermastery.com. We have put a lot of work into this course. We have tried to put into it everything that we've learned from years of working with clients and from our own experimentations, and it's really spectacular. I'm going to give you a little hint. At some point in the next year, we're going to be adding even more to it. And if you buy it now, don't worry, because you get free access to every update for the rest of your life. Anything new that we add to it, you will have access even if you buy now. It is really worth it if you're looking to up your skills. Okay, let's just dive right into the first. And and there's no real order, like... No, 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 no. Like... These aren't in any particular order. These are that's just a, a random list of stuff. I'm also going to give some uh, personal examples of women I've dated who fall into some of these categories. So uh, if you're listening, uh, it's probably not you. <laughs> <laughs> it was somebody else. <laughs> so number one is the needy, insecure woman. Okay, so the needy, insecure woman. It's like basically you are her only focus. So she needs constant reassurance. Uh, and there's, there's like these insidious aspects to her personalities. Like there's jealousy creeps in and neediness. And she doesn't have the emotional resources to deal with stuff. And 
You know, she's not able to resolve conflicts. Um, this one is tough because, you know, as guys, you know, we want to be the guy that fixes stuff, right? And we actually really want our woman to want and need us. If we feel like we have a purpose when, when she needs us to do stuff for her. But there's a line, right? And at a certain point, it just gets to be too much. And it gets to be draining. And it gets to be difficult on the relationship. So I actually did uh, date somebody that I would put into the needy, insecure category. Now, I will say this. When we got together, I was very much in a part of my life where I really wanted to explore open relationships. And so I was very upfront about that and said, hey, I'm not looking for serious one-on-one relationship. I already have another lover and here's what I'm willing to do. She said, okay, great. No problem. Let's do it. And we did. And the (laughs) longer we were in that relationship together, the worse it got, the needier she got the more triggered she got by everything, the more insecure she got. I had to preface this by saying, like, to a certain extent, I understand that because open relationships are not easy to navigate. But it really, it really got out of hand at at a certain point. The neediness, the need for constant reassurance, it was just draining. It was literally emotionally exhausting. And it's ultimately what ended that relationship because I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm just like, it's just too much. It's like, I don't know how many times I can tell you this, that, and the other thing, how many different ways I can tell it to you. Like at some point you either have to believe it or not. And if not, then leave the relationship. So one of the things you're saying is you like for women to need you because then you feel like you can do your job. But in that particular scenario, it doesn't matter what you do. It's never going to be enough, and she's never going to be happy. So you're never winning. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And uh, as we talk about these different types, you'll realize that some of these types bleed into the other types, right? So, for instance, the needy, insecure woman can also often exhibit our number two. Which is the drama queen. Oh, the drama queen. Oh. The drama queen is very interesting because you can be guilty of everything. You said the wrong thing. Well, you said wrong with the wrong intonation. You didn't laugh at the right time. Or you didn't enjoy the joke. Or you did this the wrong way. Anyway, it's just like, there's always something wrong. It doesn't matter what you do. And then she just will like unleash her anger and resentment on you. Have you ever been in a relationship where you felt like you were walking on eggshells? Right? You know the expression, like you got you to gotta tread very lightly, <laughs> right? Because you never knew at what moment some sort of drama was just going to mysteriously pop up. And it can be... You know, you said something wrong or you didn't react the right way or you talked to the wrong person. It can be all those little things, but it can also be big things, too. So I also, unfortunately, dated (laughs) a drama queen. 
I didn't know she was a drama queen. Actually, when we met, I thought, wow, this is so refreshing. She's not one of those drama queens. <laughs> <laughs> she fooled you. Oh, she sure did. She was on her best behavior for a while, mm-hmm. but she couldn't keep it up. And that was the problem is eventually who you truly are shows up, right? So you're bringing a good point, too, about taking your time to marry. Because everybody shows up with their best behavior at first. Give it a little time. You know, a couple of years. You'll know for sure. Uh, yeah, so this is a great point that you bring up. It's one of the things that I was kind of alluding to at the beginning of the show where I said maybe we'll cover it later. But yeah, one of the best things you can do is date for at least a year and a half before you get married. At least mm-hmm. a year and a half. Because there's this thing called the honeymoon period. What is the honeymoon period? That's when all those feel-good chemicals are flowing. And no matter what the other person does, it doesn't matter. They leave the toilet seat up, eh, whatever, who cares? Because he's so hot or she's so beautiful or they're so (laughs) kind or they're this, that, the other thing. They can do no wrong for about the first year and a half to two years. And then when those chemicals stop, which they always do, at least to some extent... Now, all of a sudden, all those things are like huge dramas that are showing up, right? So, yes, I'm going, you know what I'm going to do, Celine, today for that comment that you made? I am going to give you a truth bomb. (laughs) Yes, that's right. The sound effects are back. For those of you who've been listening for a while, (laughs) I finally found the right device to give great sound effects for the show. So I apologize now if I overdo it a little bit, but... (laughs) like a kid in a candy store. I like to have fun with our sound effects. It makes the show a little bit more interesting. Okay, let's get back to the drama queen here for, for a moment. So the drama queen can also show up in other ways. So in my case, the way the drama queen showed up was not so much like oh, any little thing I say might turn into a huge drama. The way it showed up for me was you would go like three months of a great relationship. Everything would be fine. Nothing major would happen. Nothing would really change in the relationship. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she would just create some sort of big drama in the relationship. Hmm. Some sort of big thing that would then turn into an argument that then we would have to repair and then we would have to do counseling or like something would happen. (laughs) Process for a while. Process for Mm -hmm. a while, right? And speaking of marriage, I I remember this particular individual clearly saying to me, if we're not married after X number of years of dating, then I'm out, right? So she did something that women should absolutely never do. (laughs) The ultimatum. The ultimatum. And I remember saying to her, this has nothing to do about time. And I said to her, what I need to see is that this relationship is stable. And for me, what I'm noticing is a pattern of approximately every three months, some sort of big drama comes up out of nowhere and there's a major blow up. Mm -hmm. I said, there is no way I would marry into that situation if we can figure out how to work past that and get to a place where we're stable, that's different. right? So, So that's just another way that the drama queen can show up. Just when things start going really well and things are really flowing, all of a sudden, she'll find something. She'll create something. And it could be like, this is actually not the same woman, uh, but it's, it's sort of an example. So uh, uh, the, actually the needy one, it was the, the one that falls into the needy category. 
So a friend of ours who was also teaching in the space of sex and relationship was holding uh, a workshop. And in the workshop, they were teaching like ways to touch a woman and, and pleasure her. And so the way they had set this workshop up was <clears throat> they had the in- instructors, there were two of them, they had a massage table up in the front of the room and they were demoing different things. And then everybody else was in their couples on the floor and then they were practicing those things. So when somebody's demoing something, you sort of have to pay attention, pay attention to what they're doing. And then, you know, because they're up on a table and you're on a floor and it's a full room and it's not really easy to see what's going on. Sometimes I couldn't like, or I would be looking down at my partner and I'd look up and I'd realize I missed what the instructor just showed. So then I'd be like, well, let me look at somebody else, another couple, because maybe they got it and I can see what they're doing and then I can, I can do it. So given that context, in the middle of this thing, she just starts getting, like, causing all this drama and, like, getting really angry at me about it in the middle of it. And I'm just, like, I'm over here going, whoa, 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 I'm trying to focus on what's going on over here. I'm, like, trying to pick up tips from over here. Then I'm trying to come back here and actually do, like, like my attention is split all over the place because I'm, like, I, I want to do this right, you know? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, in the circle, when going around uh, and asking, you know, how everybody did, the instructor was asking, um, my partner just lets loose on me and just berates me in front of the entire class about how I was not paying attention to her and I was too busy looking at the other girls because they were so much hotter and like all this stuff. And I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, I was just trying to do my best, (laughs) right? But it's an example of how you can take something and just create a drama out of it that never existed, mm-hmm. right? And so you'll see those types of things show up with the drama queen. You'll be, you'll be not thinking about it at all. In your mind, everything is fine. It's all good. And then something will come out of left field and you're just like, what the what fuck happened? was that? Where yeah. did that come from? Yeah. I want to talk about the type number three. The I am not ready woman. This is so important If you're a man who knows you want to get married, you want to have children and have a family, and you're dating somebody who keeps saying, I'm not ready, or I don't know if I want that, do not get into it thinking that just because she's a woman, she's going to change her mind. Yeah, this one's huge in the opposite direction. A lot of women get into relationships with guys who are like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to have kids. It's, oh, he'll change his mind. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what direction it goes in. Don't, you, you can't change people and you can't expect that they're going to change. So you, if they're not already on board with, you know... The, the big vision. The big vision, then that's a huge red flag. I, I dated a not ready woman too. <laughs> Why, Kevin, you are very busy. <laughs> well, you know... I am, I'm, I'm, I'm inching ever closer to that big five zero. So I, I've been around a little while, but, <laughs> um, but in my case, it didn't have anything to do with children. What I noticed in that particular relationship was, the the more serious things got, the closer we got towards like, hey, this could be a marriage life situation the more she started pulling away, mm-hmm. and the more excuses she started making. And what's interesting is, is 
she did not, so there's no overlap here with this one and the drama queen, because a lot of times what you'll see is when they start to get scared about it and they want to they wanna find a way out, they start creating drama situations. That, that's something that happens a lot. They'll, they'll literally create drama in the relationship as an excuse for why they can't do this, that, or the other thing. But in this case, she didn't do that at all. The relationship actually was still great. There was no problem. She just was slowly and surely making herself less available, mm-hmm. taking more trips, working more. Yeah, being distant. Being more distant. Yeah. And then when finally confronted about that distance, it was like, oh, well, um, uh, I think maybe I don't want this, or maybe I'm not sure. I think maybe I want this other thing over here. But there was never any clarity. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, you know, I've just realized that the direction we're going in is not what I want in life. Okay, what do you want in life? Well, I want X, Y, Z, and I know you want, you know, A, B, C, so, you know, I don't think we're a good man. It wasn't like that at all. It was a whole lot of, uh, well, I think maybe, I'm not really sure, wishy-washy kind of stuff. So that that's how the I'm not ready showed up for me. But I, I do know for a lot of people, it'll be that that whole well, I don't know if I'm ready yet. Like, they'll actually say those words. Mm-hmm. That was my brother for seven years. That's true. Your brother was in a relationship for seven years with a woman, and he very clearly wanted children. And she kept giving him the, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready. Maybe, well, soon, but not yet. And then he found somebody else, had a kid. And then the other one came back and said, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Too little, too late. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) You missed out. Okay. So so that's the I'm not ready woman. What about number four? The spender. Mm -hmm. I've never dated a spender. I have to say. I'm very lucky. But I know people who have. Um, I have a very good friend. They're actually still together because she managed to clean up her act. But I had only known him for... I don't know, two years or so, maybe, uh, at the time when he confided in me that behind his back, she had basically spent all their money on like dumb shit. And he wasn't really paying attention because, you know, a lot of times in a lot of relationships, the day-to-day stuff, the the man will just, you know, say, hey, you you run the house. Like, you, you know what all, like, you know what you need. Just take care of it. You know, like you have my, my blessing. I trust you to just, you know, do what, you feel is right. And yeah, (laughs) basically blew all their money. Um, It came very, very close to, uh, well, they weren't technically married at that time, but they had been together for many years already at that point. And uh, somehow they managed to get it back on track and get the finances back on track. But a lot of it was her basically not telling him. So then he realized he just, you gotta, he's got to keep a closer eye on what's going on. Yeah, when it comes to finances, you have to find somebody who has similar patterns because it's so hard otherwise. Yeah, well, you know, statistics will show that one of the top reasons why people get divorced is finances. Mm-hmm. Literally, one of the, t- I don't know if it's number one or number two, but it's certainly no lower than number three. And I think I, if I recall, I should have looked it up before the show and I didn't because I just forgot. And we don't have a personal assistant who can just look it up right now on the computer. Yeah. Jamie, can you look that up for us? <laughs> uh, no, sorry. We don't have that person. But um, I do know that it's one of the top, like, you know, 
one to two to three reasons mm-hmm. why couples divorce is because of differences in the way they handle finances. Yes. So that's important. I mean, look, if you're both spenders in a relationship, you're basically <laughs> going to be broke all the time. <laughs> that's probably not going to work real well. And then if one is a spender and the other one isn't, Ooh. well, that's going to cause a lot of conflicts because one person's going to get really upset that somebody's spending all the money. Yeah. And I've other... been in that relationship. Oh, yeah? Well, oh, yeah. well, tell the audience. Well, not as the spender, but mm-hmm. I've been with a spender and it's hard because you kind of have to put a leash on the person. And, and if you're the woman, then you have to tell your man what he can't do. It's not very sexy for your relationship. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it kind of kills the passion in the bedroom. Yeah. It really does. And also it's hard with the trust. Uh, See, I was just going to bring that point up Mm -hmm. too, right? So now there's this whole trust thing because now if you can't trust him with money, what else can't you trust him with? Exactly. And ultimately the relationship ended because of that. But um, I mean, one of those things, you know. But it was one of the big things. It was. It was one of the bigger things. Yeah. Yep. All right. Number five. The gold digger. The gold digger. Thank God I've never had a gold digger either. Maybe you don't have a wallet thick enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, love. <laughs> well, I mean, yes and no. I, I've, I've obviously never been super wealthy. Uh, but, you know, I did used to have the big six-figure, you know, corporate salary job. That's thick enough, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah. it requires a certain thickness. <laughs> a certain thickness. <laughs> <laughs> How thick would that be? Two inches? <laughs> Three inches? I'll let you try to guess. <laughs> Is this circumference or, <laughs> or just height, you know, width? <laughs> Like uh, like my roommate in college used to say all the time, yeah, that's right. I'm only five inches thick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which very obviously was not true, but, you know, made him feel better. <laughs> uh, so the gold digger. So, I mean, I think pretty much everybody knows what the gold digger is, but basically it means she's more into your money than actually you. you. And this can be really hard for a lot of guys to tell. This is why you'll, you'll see a lot of celebrities will, will say things like, it's so hard to find a woman once you're wealthy and famous. Mm-hmm. And it's also why some of them you see, you know, most of them, if they were married before they got rich and famous, end up ditching the, the first wife or husband and, you know, going on with the supermodel or whatever. But, but some of them will very specifically say they are so glad that they met their partner before they were rich and famous mm-hmm. because they know that that person loves them for who they are. And not what they have in their bank account. And not what they have in their bank account or their fame. because Or the thickness they... of what's in their pockets. <laughs> well, it could still be that, but it's in the other pocket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's number five, the gold digger. Uh, you know, some guys are actually okay with the gold digger. Just cause, I guess if she looks good. Yeah, that's the thing. Is they're like, well, yeah, I know she really wants my money, but she's she's fucking hot, and I'd never score a woman that good looking without yeah, the money. But that's not the one you marry. I don't think so. Or you marry with a prenup. <laughs> but but we see people do it all the time. Yeah. So yeah. be careful for the gold digger because she's often hard to tell. Yes. It, it, she she plays a good part, and she really makes it look like 
Um, she wants you for you. But if you pay attention to the signs, you'll see that there are a lot of conversations about money. For sure. And how much you're making and how much she's allowed to spend and what she can buy. And, and if only she could have just a little help, her life would be so much better. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. So quick break for our second sponsor, and then we'll get into six through nine because there's a couple more here and at least one more that's going to piss you off. <laughs> Can't wait for that yeah, one. Yeah, that'll be fun. But are you a couple who is stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to? Are you tired of stale mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun and you don't want to live a life of average? Then Celine and I invite you to join our highly sex power couple platinum program. Give us 90 days and we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive. So what is this? This is our co-coaching program where Celine and I work with you as a couple. And we will do sessions where the two of us work with both of you and sessions where one of us will work with one of you and one of us will work with the other. You get the masculine point of view, you get the feminine point of view, you get both of our points of view. And really, you know, Celine has been doing this coaching thing for a long time and she's fantastic at it. Mm. I've been doing it for a somewhat long time too and I happen to think I'm pretty good at it. You're awesome. And as, as similar as we are, we are also different in the way we That's approach true. things and the ideas that we come up with. And so it's really fantastic to have both of us together working with you. If your relationship is not where you want it to be, if you're struggling in your marriage, even if you're not having the sex that you want to have, really, there's no time like now to do something about it. Don't wait any longer. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to fix it. Reach out to us now, celineremy.com forward slash passion. It takes you to the page with all the information that you need. Schedule a call with us. Really, like, just do it because it's not going to get any better if you don't seek some help. I love when you do the ads. I think it's going to be our new, uh, a new uh, way of going forward. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't mind doing the ads, but, uh, you know, I don't want to be dominating the conversation all the time. I, I like for you to have lots <laughs> of space to share all of the nuggets that you have to share. Let's talk about number six then. The party girl. Oh, the party girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I dated a party girl in college. I can tell you, she was a lot of fun. Yeah, booty calls, party all night. Never home. Yeah, she, she, you know, I will, I, I will give her this. I was a little, um, reserved. Yeah. Maybe like stuck in the butt, you know, like a little, just a little bit. Yeah. I, and she really helped me open up and become more easygoing mm. and I will always appreciate her for that. However, because she was too much of a party girl and she liked to drink way too much she would disappear. She had multiple friends that I'm pretty sure stuff was going on with, <laughs> although I couldn't prove it. And basically, I just, I couldn't trust her. Mm -hmm. And that, that was ultimately one of the big problems with the relationship. The party girl is hard to trust. Mm. It, she just is. Now, you know, some guys are party guys, and so they like to be with party girls. But you want to know what comes almost hand in hand with the party girl? Drama. The drama queen. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The drama queen. It's so hard. Like, 
You can be a drama queen without being a party girl, but it's almost non-existent that you're a party girl without being a drama queen. Yeah. Because all the bad behavior of the party girl turns into drama. Yeah, especially if there's alcohol involved. Oh, yes. Alcohol or any other sort of recreational drug use or... Yeah. It creates a lot of problems in the relationship. So, and let's face it, you know, we've all been a party girl at some point or party boy, I guess. Um, but, you know, once you pass 25, you could move on to different things. <laughs> I, I, I personally know a bunch of people who are double that age who haven't moved on yet. <laughs> I know, but what does that say? You know, it's like... Their maturity level is not where it needs to be. That's true. And that's true. And you know what? That's why, as I'm thinking about several of them, they're all single. Yeah. That's why they're single. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. People can't trust them to really settle down and be a solid partner. Well, because it requires deep commitment. It requires energy to be in a, in a, in a relationship. And um, if you spend it somewhere else all the time, then there's nothing left for the relationship. All right, number seven. Ooh, Ooh. this is the one that's probably going to ruffle a few feathers, but we don't care because we like... Truth bombs. Truth bombs around here. Yes, that's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to really introduce it and then I'll talk more about it? So the number seven is the feminist. While you might think that it is wonderful to be with a woman who stands... For women, what you don't understand is that most of the women who consider themselves feminists are angry men bitches who will then turn it around and be mean at you as well. Yeah, so what's interesting is, is I did a couple of posts on social media recently about the use of language and how we keep changing the definitions of words because we want to push a certain agenda. So the word feminist, in my personal opinion, no longer means what it used to mean. Mm-hmm. And we did a show on this. Uh, we talked about the, the different waves of feminism, first wave, second wave, third wave. Now people, some people say we're in the fourth wave. Some people say we're in the fifth wave of feminism. What does that mean? Well, what it means is what the goals that feminism was trying to accomplish in each wave changed. Mm-hmm. So, you know... I would consider myself a a feminist by the original definition in a sense that I do believe that women are just as equal as men. Yes. Of course they are. I mean, who would argue otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, they should have access to the same types of jobs. They should get equal pay for equal work, right? They should be able to be in politics or CEOs or anything else that a man wants to do if she wants to do it and she has a skill for it. Absolutely. Go for it. Of course, she should have the right to vote, right? Because those policies affect her and her family too. So, you know, absolutely great. However, feminism is not quite that anymore. No, not anymore. Feminism isn't just about we're going to make women give them the same, you know, natural inalienable rights. No, it has become more about let's create a war on men. And let's, through our empowerment, castrate the men so that we can feel good about ourselves. So basically, we go all the way the opposite of the pendulum. Yeah, and what's funny is they'll call themselves feminists, which implies that they're all about the feminine. 
but they're really actually mostly operating from their masculine mm-hmm. and competing with men mm-hmm. and not actually being feminine. <laughs> you have a good example of a client you worked with. Yeah, I had a client that I worked with in the past who, you know, even in our pre-interview call, I, you know, I ask lots of questions because I, I need to get to know what's the nature of the issue that somebody is dealing with. And while he definitely had his own issues and things that he was dealing with, he kept saying, well, you know, this, that, and the other thing, but if I do that, then she's going to do this, or she's going to say that, or she's going to say... And basically, his wife self-identified as a feminist, and if he tried to do anything to create polarity in that relationship, she would instantly get triggered, and she couldn't deal with it, because it was against her feminist beliefs, right? And what she couldn't see, and this is... This is where, like, you know, we did that commercial just before for our program where, where we work with, you know, couples. When we work individually, this is where it gets challenging, right? Because, yes, client X had his own problems and we were working on it. And he showed up and he was paying good money to work with me to fix his issues, which he knew he had. But she had issues, too. And unfortunately, we couldn't fix everything that was happening in the relationship because we weren't working with her as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I was guiding him on how he could approach some constructive conversations about some of these things. She wouldn't have any of it. Like, she would not have any of it. And then she would just berate him if he tried to even bring it up about, hey, you know, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's the work I'm doing. Here's how I'm trying to better myself. Here's here's what would help me from your end. Boom. Just instant trigger and instant shutdown. The problem with the feminist too is they often become your competitor. And when that happens, you're basically always sword fighting. And you need to be a team. You can't be uh, competing against each other. No, no. I mean, in a relationship, you got to be team us. Mm-hmm. You, you really do. And that, that's, you know, that's what we have always called it, team <laughs> us, right? You know, and um, which has a couple of meanings to us. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, if you're a feminist in a relationship with a man and you see that relationship as adversarial, that's a very, very, very bad thing. It's, it's going to ultimately destroy your relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually did get an update from him not too long ago. And he's, you know, basically what he said was he's making progress. So he's continuing to take the things that he's learned in our coaching and better himself. But he's still dealing with the same problems with her. Mm -hmm. Like she hasn't changed at all. And he's not sure what to do about it. You know, of course, my recommendations to him was like, like, the two of you should work with us. (laughs) Or if she's not willing to do that, at least have her, well, you know, I said she really needs to work with Celine. Like this woman needs to access her actual femininity. She needs to understand what being a feminine woman is and how she can use that powerfully in her relationship to get what she wants. But she wasn't having it. So you now be warned, if you are dating a feminist, you probably don't want to marry her. Well, because you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for a difficult relationship with a lot of 
challenge and competing and walking on the eggshells again. Mm -hmm. This is another one where you're afraid that if you say the wrong thing in a dinner conversation or even a regular conversation or if or if you don't step up to support her view or, you know, like anything could happen and boom, instant drama, instant drama. Not a place you want to be in your relationship. All right, we've got two more types. Number eight, the inconsistent slash liar woman. I mean, this one, do we need to say any more? You know, it's funny because when you were talking about the party girl, I kind of felt too that she could also go that way. Yeah, actually, she can go that way because what happens is she parties, she gets drunk, she gets high, she makes bad decisions, and then she starts trying to figure out ways to explain it away and cover it up and all that stuff because she knows she fucked up. I mean, the bottom line is she's a woman. She's emotional. There is going to be some inconsistency or things that are crazy to you. Just find a level of craziness that you're comfortable with. But don't settle for inconsistent or abusive or lying behaviors. Yes. Yes, yes. You get another truth bump for that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, I don't know that we really need to say a whole lot about that one because you need to have 100% honesty in any Mm -hmm. successful relationship. You need to have the sort of relationship where you can show up and say literally anything. Now, that doesn't mean you can be mean Mm -hmm. or rude or abusive in any way, but you have to be able to show up and authentically share what is true for you without worrying about the consequences of it. And if if your partner's not willing or capable of doing that, then don't. Do not marry. Do not marry them. Stay away. All right, number nine. Go for it, Kevin. Number nine, the negative or toxic woman. Oh, man, this one. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know why they're in the same category, but they could show up very, very differently. So the, the negative one is just she's always negative. Everything's a problem. Nothing's ever really right. You know, there's, there's just, uh, it's just an energy drainer. Mm-hmm. It's just a downer. You know, or she finds joy in putting others down. Oh, that's other another women, one. Other women, other people all the time. And you. She'll mm-hmm. do it to you a lot too because, you know, she that's what she does to everybody. So you don't want to have that energy around. That's not healthy. No, no, no. And then, the, you know, the toxic woman is... I describe toxic as any habitual behavior that is harmful to you in the relationship, Mm -hmm. right? So it can show up a lot of different ways. It may not necessarily be negative, but, you know, I I would say a toxic woman is a woman who goes out and parties too much and, you know, doesn't really care what you think or feel about it, you know? A toxic woman is somebody who's a massive drama queen. Like, basically all of these, you know, nine things are somewhat toxic. Yeah. Yeah. To a relationship. Toxic could be she's very gossipy. Sure. Very negative, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, basically what it comes down to is if you see any of these behaviors when you're dating, they are red flags. If you see multiple of these, run in the other direction. <laughs> if you see one and you're like, hmm, that could maybe be a red flag, then... 
have a conversation about it. Bring it up. See where it comes from. Maybe it's something simple that you can work through, and maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. But certainly make sure that you are sure which one of those it is before you make the ultimate commitment to get married. So look, we love marriage. We've said this many times. We are married. We love being married. You know, people still ask us, and granted, we haven't been married for like, you know, 25 years or anything (laughs) like that. So, you know, sometimes older people are like, yeah, whatever, you haven't been married that long. They, They want to discount our experience. But, you know, how many couples are truly still happy and in love after four years? According to the statistics, actually not very many of them. So we're doing better than most, uh, and I feel that we still have something valuable to share as a result of that. Mm. So we love marriage. We're big proponents and champions of having great marriages and sharing your life with somebody and love and and all of that stuff. And we, we do episodes like this because we want you to have the same thing. So if we can help you avoid making some mistakes mm-hmm. and ending up 10 years and two divorces later, then that would be great. And that's really our goal with this, is to help you make better choices so that you can have a better outcome. Well said, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. all right everybody that's all we have for this episode and we will see you next week we hope you like this episode of the love lab podcast if you enjoy this show subscribe leave us a review and share it with your friends and for more free exclusive content join us in the passion vault at celineremy.com forward slash vault that's c-e-l-i-n-e-r-e-m-y.com forward slash vault thanks for listening and remember you're amazing